Okay, well, allow me to welcome you. My name is Darren, and I am the pastor here, and really excited to have you all. I know uh, many of you are visiting uh, as we celebrate baptisms and our new members, and then some professions of faith as well. I'm going to read this passage here for a short, what I call a sermonette. It's on page three. I invite you to follow along, and then I invite you to respond as uh, indicated below. Would you listen now with open ears as I read from this book that we love, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Hear now these words. I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, we come to this time and we sit under these words. And Lord, I recognize that as we do so, we do come from all sorts of different places. Some of us come in here and uh, our lives feel like the sunshine outside. Things are well. Uh, We are in a good place. We're healthy. We're employed. Our children are well. Others of us, Lord, that could not be further from the truth. We've come in here with all sorts of burdens, with anxiety, some of us with depression, some of us even with despair. And Lord, I recognize uh, further, and especially on a day such as today, that many of us come in here uh, having believed in you for a long time, trusting in you presently, yet others of us no doubt come in here and uh, we're not quite sure if you're real uh, and if you are, if you're good. Uh, Some of us, uh, no doubt, are even in here, and we are quite convinced that you are not real. And Lord, I pray that whatever place we find ourselves in this morning, whether we come here in joy or in sorrow, whether we come here in celebration or overwhelmed with worry, whether we come here with faith or with much doubt, I pray that you would give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, we all ultimately come the same. We all have an overwhelming and unrelenting need to hear from you, to know you, and to be changed by you. And I pray that you would open our eyes and show us how you have met this need in the person and work of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, and so great to be with you. We are celebrating baptisms, uh, some professions of faith, and some new members today. And this is one of my favorite services of the year, because this is the service where the work of the Lord becomes visualized, right? So, and especially for, for those of you who may not be on staff or, or leading uh, in various places, we get to see sometimes as leaders all sorts of things that God is doing that sometimes are hidden uh, and, and not really made known throughout the entirety of the congregation. But today, we get to celebrate that uh, as we hear these professions of faith, as we uh, hear these new members uh, give their vows, and then as these children are coming for baptism. Now, uh, as we welcome new members, I want to say this. I know that some of you, several of you, maybe even many of you, uh, come from a background where you don't 
where you don't believe it's right to baptize children. And I want you to know that if that's you today, you're welcome here. Really glad that you're here. And I make one uh, agreement with all those who become members who have, who have that conviction, and that's this. It's okay to believe that. It's okay to believe that here. But you have to tolerate me enjoying it. Okay? Cause, and I really do enjoy it. All right? So why do I enjoy it? What is it about? Um, and how do we think about it? Well, I'm not going to speak as much today about baptism, though I am going to enjoy it quite a bit. But I want to talk to you about the work of God, the ordinary, what I call the ordinary work of God. How is it that God ordinarily builds his church? How does he do that? And the, this passage suggests to us, as does several others that we will consider, that the ordinary work of God takes place in the context of family. Right? If you want to know how is it that God builds his church, how is it that he ordinarily uh, builds people up as believers in Jesus Christ, and the answer that this passage will suggest to us, and others will as well, that the ordinary way he does that is in and through family. And if that's true, friends, it shouldn't surprise us that when God decides to make a covenant with his people, and he decides to symbolize that covenant with this sign of baptism, it should not surprise us, therefore, that that sign would be given to the entire family itself. So let's get into it. Let's get into this together. Number one, my supposition, God ordinarily works through families. You'll notice here in verse 5 that as Paul is examining Timothy's faith, that's the man to whom he's writing, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. He's describing the quality of his faith, and he uh, characterizes it in this way. He says, it's a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother, and then in your mother, and then he says, and now I am sure dwells in you. And friends, we can, uh, we can understand from this that what he's saying here is that God was at work, not just in Timothy, not just in his mom, but even in his grandmom as well. Commentators are quick to point out that uh, we believe his father did not believe as he did, and yet God nonetheless was pleased to work in this way. And this is a uh, significant theme in the Old Testament. So, for example, in the story of Noah, as God is going to build his kingdom and his church through Noah, we know that Noah is saved from the flood, but not just Noah, his family as well. God will introduce himself repeatedly as the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. In the law, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we, we read that families are commanded to talk about the law when they rise up, when they sit down. Right? It's not possible for Miss Corinne to do that with our kids. Would be helpful. <laughs> but it's not possible for her to do that with our kids. Instead, that's a family responsibility. And then here are these promises. Uh, first one comes from Deuteronomy chapter 30. It says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord with your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Or what about Isaiah 59, 21? As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you, and my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips. And then he adds, and the lips of your children and the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. Or what about in Jeremiah? Right after he actually describes the new covenant in detail, he says this, 
He says, I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and for the good of their children after them. You see, friends, it is God's ordinary work to do so in the context of family. But now I'm going to answer some objections that I know you have. Right? The most common objection that I hear is this. Well, Pastor Darren, if we baptize you know, infants, what does that mean when some of them walk away from the church, walk away from their faith, right? Super common objection that I hear all the time. And friends, the answer is that this is not a guarantee, right? That God does not work in that way. This is not a guarantee. How do we know that? Well, you can see it in Paul's language as well here. He says, the faith was in your grandmother. I saw it in your mother. And then he says, and now I am sure. He is now persuaded. He does not consider it to be automatic. Uh, Also, in the Old Testament, we have Jacob and Esau, two brothers, one of whom the covenant passed through, the other it did not. Cain and Abel, the same thing. Even Jesus Christ's own brothers had some serious doubts about him. Secondly, this is not to imply that God does not work through other means. So some of us here have come from a rich heritage of agnosticism or nominal Christianity or even atheism, and yet we find ourselves here today deeply convinced of the truths of Christianity and committed to following Jesus Christ. And you see, friends, I want to say this, especially to the parents of those children who are being baptized today. Right? I want you to understand that I am not giving you a formula to follow Uh, by which your children will be guaranteed to walk with Christ all the days of their lives, although that is what we pray, right? And those of you who have children who are currently far from the Lord, I do not want you to read in to this content that this somehow represents a failure on your part. You see, God does not work in a formulaic way, but he works in this way. He offers his promises to his people, He offers them extravagantly, but not in a way that nullifies and removes personal responsibility. It's not how he works. He's not a God who, we are not robots. We are real people with real souls. If you're here today and you have chosen to not believe, you have chosen to walk away from the promises of God, you currently bear that responsibility. Right? We see this uh, actually hinted at us in verse 6 of this passage. He says this, I am convinced that a sincere faith dwells in you. And then he goes on in verse 6 to say, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Right? This analogy of fanning into flame, you know, I don't do a lot of camping, right? But I, we have done a little, and I understand that, you know, after you douse the fire in gasoline, okay, or kerosene, or whatever we use, lighter fluid, I don't know. So this is what Christy, she's like, are you going to be able to start this fire? I said, of course I am. And I, like, dumped the entire bottle she brought all week. And, you know, the flames get up really big at first, and then they die down, right? And when they die down, what you have to do, you have to fan. It needs oxygen to grow and to get big, and then eventually to catch the wood itself on fire. And in the same way, friends, God makes a covenant with you through baptism. He makes a covenant with you whereby he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will love you with an everlasting love. If you will receive me, 
I will take every sin that you've ever committed and every sin you will commit, and I will separate it from you as far as the east is from the west. If you will trust me, though you die, you will rise again to eternal life. Right? We are here today because we believe as a church, and our new members believe, and all of our existing members believe, that we are deeply flawed and deeply broken people. And in fact, as I continue to get older and more experienced uh, in following Jesus Christ, I will tell you that one of the uh, constant experiences I have is I become more in tune with the depth of my own need for grace and for forgiveness. I am more aware of how flawed I am now than I was 20 years ago. You see, growing as a Christian is often described as growing in grace. And therefore, friends, I will tell you that if you have children who are coming for baptism today, or you have children who are baptized, or if you are children who have chosen to leave this covenant that God has made with you, I will tell you that God stands ready to forgive every sin, to welcome you back with open arms, to chase after you. But you do bear personal responsibility to respond in what the Bible calls faith and repentance. That's how this works, right? God offers us his grace, but not in such a way that removes personal responsibility. It's interesting, uh, in the New Testament, some people suggest that, well, God related in this way to families in the Old Testament, but not in the New Testament. But then we see uh, the free offer of salvation, for example, offered to uh, this jailer uh, in the city of Philippi. He says, what must I do to be saved? And the answer that Paul gives him is, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And we see repeatedly in Acts that it is normal that not just one person, not just the person who comes to faith is baptized, but their entire family as well. And therefore, friends, what ought we to do with this? What ought we to do with this? Well, one of the reasons that I enjoy uh, this sign and sacrament so much is that the fundamental meaning of baptism is found in the speech and language of God. Right, the fundamental meaning of baptism, this is where Baptists and Presbyterians have a lot of disagreement. Right, if you come from a Baptist tradition, you might say, baptism is me declaring my faith. It's me making a statement. Right? And I was taught by my mentor that uh, baptism is not as much stand up and proclaim, but it's more sit down and shut up. Right? God is the one speaking. He's the one making a covenant with you and your children this day. And friends, I want to tell you, Right? As these kids come for baptism, as I've said, this is not a guarantee of, that they will love the Lord, but this is a way by which you can pray that you can be on your face for your children, praying to God, claiming these promises, saying, God, you promised, you promised at my daughter's baptism to be her God and to be the God of her children after her, and she's far from you. We plead with you to fulfill this covenant. We plead with you to go chase after her, to bring her back. You see, this sign is a strong and deep encouragement to pray. It's also a strong and deep encouragement as it communicates to us that the task of raising our children is, does not lie entirely upon our shoulders, right? This, this covenant sign says that God is at work in the family, and then not only that, but actually the church is at work in the family as well. 
You see, as we take these vows in just a moment, as parents will take vows to raise their children a certain way, every member of Ironworks will also take a vow to assist them in that work. Right? So if you're here today, as you bring your children, as you think about the life that they will have, as you think about your own failure as parents, I want you to know that this sign communicates to you that the weight is not entirely on your shoulders, that God is at work, and he is at work even in and through our own brokenness. The last thing that, it's, that it exhorts us to, and I want to I press in on this the most before we conclude, the last thing that, that this sign ought to press in on you as parents or future parents or grandparents right, is to invest yourself in seeking the Lord. Right? Notice how Paul describes uh, this sincere faith that first dwelt right, in his grandmother, then in his mother, and then he says, now I'm sure dwells in you. What he is doing here is he is describing the quality of this faith. He is describing its essence and friends, I will tell you that if you want your children to follow Christ, if you want them to have the kind of faith described here, one way that you can be part of that, one thing that you can do, is you can seek the Lord yourself. You can be on your face, not just for your children, but for your own soul, so that God will pass on something through the generations. Right, as I was considering this passage, as I was considering this sermon, I, and I was thinking of my own children and wondering what lay ahead for us, I was exhorted to pursue and seek my own personal faith as a means of loving and serving my children. This passage uh, uses this language. It says, fan into flame the gift of God. And friends, we're going to, in a moment, experience the gift of God as we celebrate these sacraments, first baptism, and then communion. And I exhort you, uh, wherever you are today, whether you come here as a parent, whether you are a child, whether you are a family member, the exhortation of this passage is fan into flame the gift of God. Lean into what, is God, what God is doing and look forward to the fulfillment of his promises. Let's pray together. Oh, Father God, we do praise you that you have made a covenant with us that is not by works, but is by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone. And I thank you uh, for our new members. I thank you for these children who are coming to profess their faith. And I thank you for uh, these coming for baptism. Lord, I do pray that uh, this day would be a day that they would remember uh, for the rest of their lives. Lord, and I pray for these children that are too young to remember. I pray that they would hear about this day and they would look back on it and see this day as representing your hand and your power at work. For we pray it in Jesus Christ. Amen.